Opportunities. You've heard the phrase, uh, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Something you just can't pass up. Uh, This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about opportunities. Um, Some of you have maybe had a job offer and you thought, man, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I've got to take it. Um, Others of you, maybe you got a scholarship and it's like, man, this is an opportunity. I need to take this thing. Um, My wife, we hadn't been here just one week here in the States, and she said, Tim, uh, your sister gave me this 30% off coupon for Kohl's. She said, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. (laughs) This morning, I'd really like to find out, though, what God says about opportunities. And what is a God-given opportunity? Something that we just can't pass up. Um, If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to look uh, up Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And while you're looking it up, I'm going to just give you a quick, brief uh, background as to what's happening here. Apostle Paul and Timothy and a couple of their friends were traveling around uh, sharing the gospel in places and regions where the gospel is not being told. And because of his strong faith and his belief in God, he was thrown in prison. He was imprisoned. And so Paul basically is a, a prisoner of war, we can say, when he writes these words to the church of Colossae. And you know what Paul does? He's like, I want to get back into the game. I don't want to stay here imprisoned. And so they sneak a letter out to this church, and he asks for something because he wants to have more opportunities to share the gospel. And so let's read God's word in Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to be in reading verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, and be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you so much for your word. For your word is truth, your word is powerful, and your word can change our lives. Uh, Father, we just want to ask you to speak to each one of us. Lord, I want so badly for everyone to hear your words this morning, not mine. So please take my stuff and push it aside. We want you to speak to us. We ask you to speak to us clearly uh, because we want to become more like your son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Opportunities. What are the opportunities that Paul is talking about? He was not talking about coals, Paula. If you look at verse uh, 3, it says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Paul was all about sharing the gospel. And what he looked for was open doors. And I don't know, probably each one of you can think of a time when there's something that happened in your life where it was like, It was totally God-ordained. He's the one that just made it happen. And so when God, when Paul talks about opportunities, he's talking about these open doors that you just kind of walk through and it happens because God 
is present, and he's set it all up already beforehand. And so when Paul talks about opportunities, he's talking about open doors, but then he's also talking about occasions to share good news, good news of what Jesus has done. So we have Paul, he's, again, he's traveling around, but he's always looking for open doors, always looking for places where God had already set up everything, and all he had to do was walk through the door and share good news with people. So that's what he was all about. Opportunities, what is it for Paul? It's open doors, and it's chances to share Christ with others. So how do we get to have these opportunities? And this, we're going to go right back to our text. Colossians 4, verse 2. If we want to have opportunities, we need prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And so Paul here, he gives three descriptive words for, for prayer. He says we need to be devoted, we need to be watchful, and we need to be thankful. So devoted, devoted prayer. If you want to have opportunities, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, I'm a missionary. I'd like to say that I am just like all about prayer, but it is one of the hardest things for me still to be connected to God 100% of the time. I find it to be one of my biggest challenges. But Paul says if you want to have opportunities, you need to pray. Uh, we've been here just a little a while, and my sister graciously gave us a cell phone. Um, and so we were traveling, and... You know, at the moment when I needed this thing the, the most, guess what happened? No battery. We'd been using it some. I wasn't paying attention to the little cells on there. And anyway, when we needed it most, it was not there. That's what happens. You use your cell phone a lot. The battery goes down. It goes dead. Well, with God, it is absolutely, totally the opposite. The more we talk to God the more our batteries get filled. The more we hang out with God, the more energized, and I think the more aware we are of what's happening around us, we get. And so if we want to be aware of what God's doing around us, if we want opportunities, we need to be all about prayer. Devoted, persistent prayer. We cannot make God tired. He never tires of listening to us. And as selfish as we are, and I think of all my prayers and how self-centered they probably sound to God, he still loves hearing us. So, devoted prayer. But he also goes on to say that we need to have watchful prayer. What does it mean to be watchful? Well, today I think that we live in a society that one of Satan's greatest tactics is to make us think that we're not in the ballgame. That we're just going through life. And I don't know about you, but I can get up in the morning and I got a list of about 20 things that I want to do. And my battery is full at the morning and I get going and I start running. And I run and I might be doing good things. But I might not be paying attention and watching for God opportunities. And so I'm going to ask Paula to share an opportunity that, that she's had. Some of you know that 10 years ago I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and this was about the time that we had just gotten to Spain, we got settled there, and my body started not behaving like I wanted it to behave. 
And it was very frustrating for us because we wondered, why, Lord, did you bring us all the way over here to Spain? And now I'm spending half of the month in bed, and Tim is having to take care of our children that were four years and under. And for us, it didn't make sense. What was God up to? Why would he allow me to have something that was going to stop us from being able to do ministry? But you know, sometimes opportunities come in ways that we never expect. And I can tell you that in the past 10 years, the one thing that I have learned is that God has used my sickness to allow me to meet people I never would have been able to meet and be able to shine my light in front of them for Jesus. And they may never have seen that light before. And this is one of those people. In the middle is Juan Cole, and he's my physical therapist. To his right is his wife, Micah, and to his left is his son, Rodrigo. And Juanjo and Micah worked together in their physical therapy place, and I started going to them to get help for my joints. And Juanjo, he believes in God, but he doesn't believe that God is really an important part of his daily life. And so he knew that I was an evangelical believer, and he loved to ask questions about it. So every day I knew I'd get there, and he'd be going, he would ask me, so what's the difference between being an evangelical and being a Catholic? And what do you think about the Virgin Mary? And what about the book Bible? Do you think it's the whole word of God? And so every day I'd have these conversations. Talk about an opportunity. But I can remember one day, the physical therapy room is like real big like this, okay? And it's open. You know, here in the States, you go in your little cubicle with your physical therapist and he treats you and nobody sees the physical therapist touch you. In Spain, everyone sees what's going on with your body. And so I'm sitting there receiving my treatment, and Juanjo's over working with another patient, and I can overhear that they're talking about the Super Bowl that had just happened in the United States, and they had seen little clips on TV, and all of a sudden Juanjo looks over at me and goes, you know, Paula, I was watching the, some clips from the Super Bowl, and there kept being these guys behind the goalpost that had a sign-up that said John 3.16. What is that? And I sat there, and I was like, oh, boy. So... All the other 30 people are now staring at me because they know I'm the American, and here comes the American. And I said, that's a verse from the Bible. It's, it's Juan 3, 16. He's like, oh, wow. Well, what does it say? I was like, man, what an opportunity. So right there, I yelled out, and not only Juanjo, but everybody, heard the verse from the Bible that talks the greatest about God's love and how he came to save us from our sins. And you know what? I would have never got to do that if I didn't have rheumatoid arthritis. Well, through the years, we've maintained a friendship with Micah and Juanjo. We've prayed for them for these past 10 years. Oh, we've we've asked God, please reach their hearts. Please bring them to a place that they want to know you. And, you know, as things get busy, I didn't have to go to physical therapy anymore. And I wasn't seeing them as regularly. We probably saw them once every uh, twice a year, something like that, once every three or four months. And so, but God is really good about such things, and I think he loves his people. And in June, I woke up one morning, you know, I'm, I'm scrambling to get everything ready to come back to the States. I wake up with this real intense pain in the back of my, in my back. And I thought, what is this all about? Well, during the day, it didn't get better, it got worse. So we decided we better go to Wanho. He's going to be able to go wonk, wonk, and it's going to be all better, right? Well, I get there, and he says, no, no, there's no wonk, wonk this time. You have a pinched nerve. You, Paula, are not going to do anything for about three weeks. And I came home that day, and I told Tim, and I was like, I'm all right with this. You know, I can tell Jesus thank you, and it's going to be okay. By Friday, I was not saying thank you, and I was pretty angry. I thought, what is this all about? I can't get everything done. We're supposed to be going to the States. What is going on? But you know what? 
The next week, as I went every day, I asked God, please help me. Help my heart not be angry. Help me to be joyful about my pain. And I laid there, and Wanho, one day I asked Wanho, I said, so Wanho, how's your day going? And he says, it's a good day, and I'm being a good person, because it's being a good person that's going to get me into heaven. Right, Paula? And I was like, ha, Wanho, you know that's not true. So we sat there, and we talked about what it means to have faith, and what it means to believe in Jesus, and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. A few days later, I asked if I could switch my appointment time, and he's like, well, that might be a little difficult. And I was like, okay, that's all right. But he goes, no, for you, Paula, I know that when you come, you're praying for me. So I'm going to let you come whenever you want, because I need all the prayer I can. And I was like, you know, Lord, I feel in the last 10 years that Wanho's heart has become more open to who Jesus is and what, how important Jesus is in your life. I don't know what's going to happen with Wanho and Micah, but I know God's doing something. And on top of it, guess who came to the States with us this summer? Rodrigo, their 20-year-old son. And Rodrigo, out of all the nine students, has been the one that has asked a whole lot of questions about our faith and who God is. I don't know what's happening, but I know that God can use even an ugly thing like rheumatoid arthritis to give chances for us to share Jesus with others. Isn't that awesome? Prayer, watchful, being watchful, being aware of what God's doing around us. Paul also uses the word here, thankful. And if we go to the next, yeah, to the next picture there. Um, <clears throat> there's a picture of Marthalino and Eliana. Uh, these are uh, two great people that are in our congregation in Spain. And they felt God mm, calling them to serve full-time in missions. And so our little congregation in Spain with about 50 people is sending out this couple to be missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And Marthalino has some background with aviation, and so he wanted to be a pilot with Wycliffe. And so if you can imagine, uh, in a place called Ionia, Michigan, um, this couple has been living for the last year and a half or so. And I can remember when Marthalino came to me and he said, Tim, you know, I'm thinking through how much money we're going to need to raise so we can go get our training, so we can be prepared to be missionaries. And he said, do you think, you know, with family of four, that with about seven, $800 we could make it? I'm like, well, that's paying for school too. Yeah, he goes, I think that can pay for school too. I'm like, Marthalino, I, I think that's a little bit low. I think we better raise that up. And so we did, and we, uh, he worked really hard uh, for he and his wife and their two kids to get here to start receiving their aviation training. Um, folks, they have been living on poverty level for the last year and a half. They have been everything they can to get by living as cheaply as they can because they are so excited about serving Christ. And they are probably the most thankful people that I have ever been around. Paul and I, we just got done traveling through Michigan and we got to see them. And you know what? They are in Michigan and they are sharing the gospel with all these Americans who need to hear good news. So God took this couple out of Spain, brought them here to the United States. They're living on poverty level, but they are so thankful. And as they are so thankful to God, all these opportunities open up for them to share good news with other people. So if we want opportunities, we need to pray. We need to have devoted prayer. We need to have watchful prayer. We need to have thankful prayer. We ought to be the most thankful people in the world for what Jesus has done for us. The last thing is, what are we to do with these opportunities? 
And if you look at the text, Colossians 4, chapter, um, verse 4, it says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Proclaim what? Proclaim the gospel. And I remember when uh, I was a fourth grader at Salem Lutheran Church in Roland, and there was a teacher in my vacation Bible school who every single day told us about the love of Christ and told us that we were sinners and that we were in need of a Savior. And because she proclaimed the gospel clearly to me day in and day out, at the end of the week, I remember going up in the top of our barn and praying to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Because she proclaimed the gospel clearly. Um, I'm here today. And so what do we need to do with these opportunities? We are to open our mouths and to tell what Jesus has done for us. That he went to the cross and he died in our place. And he wants to give us life eternal. That's the it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. What else are we to do when we have opportunities? Verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And that uh, little phrase, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. When he's talking about outsiders, he's saying those who are outside the faith, we need to be wise, smart in the way that we live. And so I'm going to ask Paul to come forward again to tell a story about being intentional. A little phrase that we use in our home is to live intentionally. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you live intentionally, you do something on purpose. You just don't do it by accident. And you know what? Every day, uh, Tim and I and our kids, we can walk out the door and we can just go through life. We can go to school, come back, go to our activities, go to the grocery store, go meet friends, uh, take care of our work. And the whole day can go by without us stopping and being watchful for an opportunity to share Jesus. But if we live intentionally, we're not going to just wait for something to accidentally happen. We're going to go out of the door and say, God, give me a chance to share you with someone today. Whether it be through a hug, a big smile, whether it be through being able to actually verbally share you with somebody, give me a chance to share you with someone. Um, An example of this is our neighbors, Lupe and Ignacio. And you guys have heard about them because uh, we've shared before. And they used to live right across the hall from us. And Lupe and Ignacio, there's a picture of Lupe, um, we would leave our doors open. The kids would run back and forth and they'd play. And let me tell you, we had so many chances to share Jesus because they were right there. But they decided to build a big house down the hill. And now, even though they're three blocks away, sometimes a, a month, two, will go by and we don't even see them because we don't on purpose go down there and visit them. And so we as a family have decided to live intentionally for Lupe and Ignacio. They're atheists. They don't believe in God. And for 13 years, we've been praying for them and their two children. And so what we do is we decide, okay, every month, and it may sound like little, but, you know, life gets busy. Every month we make a plan to get together as families and just be together, do something fun, do something different, to be able to love on them, to be able to pray that God gives a chance to share Jesus with them. So we live intentionally. You know what? The opportunities can escape us, but if we're on purpose deciding, God, give us a chance, then maybe a door will open. So when we get an opportunity, we take it, right? We proclaim the gospel. But we also um, want to be wise and very intentional about being with other people who need to have good news. In the last uh, verse, it says, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Um, I don't know if you've been around people that are positive, but it's sure a lot of fun to be around positive people as opposed to negative people. 
Um, I'm looking out here. I don't know if I can see her, but I have a grandma. I have Grandma T. Grandma T is only 99 years young. But I've never been around a more positive person. (laughs) And she's had some hard things happen in her life. She had a 19-year-old son die in a car accident. A few years later, her husband died of a heart attack. She's lived half a century by herself. And I can't hardly think of a time when I've heard her speak negatively, except for maybe when her presidential candidate didn't win. (laughs) She is so positive. When I think of how we ought to be as Christians, we ought to be the most positive people and have such pleasant words coming out of our mouths that people want to be near us. Why? Because we want them to have contact with the gospel. We want them to have contact with Jesus. So we have what's called tasty talk. We talk good about others. We stay positive. And I think when we do that, we're going to find ourselves having more and more opportunities. So the Apostle Paul, he was all about opportunities. The opportunity of the lifetime for Paul was to go through an open door that God had opened and to be able to tell someone else about Jesus. That was what his definition of opportunity was. It was not Coles. A few weeks before we were to come home uh, to the States, I woke up, and it was a bad hair day. I had hair out to here. And I was like, I need to go get a haircut. And I know that for you women, your hairdresser, haircutter, whatever you call them, very important people, right? Well, for us men, it can kind of be an important thing too. And I always went to Jesus. It was his, um, just a great guy who cut my hair from day one when I got to Spain. Jesus retired about five years ago, and in came a lady to take over his work. And it just wasn't quite the same. But anyway, she was there, and I always was looking for an opportunity to be, be able to share Christ with her. Well, for whatever reason, and I would like to say that I do this every day, But on this day where I needed a haircut, I said probably a 30-second prayer on the way to uh, the barber. I said, God, please just do something different today. In Spain, there's a lot of people, they don't want to hear anything about God. So I said, God, please do something different. I just want to have a chance to share something about you with somebody today. Do something different. And so five minutes later, I arrive, I open the door to the barber, and I look in. Everything's different. It had been painted. The, the, the muebles, the furniture was all different. And there was no one there. It was like, what is going on here? I think it's open. And then all of a sudden, the door opens. There's a little back room, and the door opens, and out comes Sandra, who is the daughter of Jesus. And I was like, Sandra, what are you doing here? And she said, well, the other barber didn't want to do it anymore, and she took off. And, you know, I wasn't going to let my dad's business just sit here. We have a lot of clients, and so I took it over. And she goes, but you do know about my dad, don't you? I go, no, what's up? She goes, my dad died two years ago. I go, Sandra, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. In a town of 100,000, I hadn't run across them, and I hadn't seen them. And so Sandra started sharing stories. I started sharing stories about her dad. Before long, we were both crying. And it was a God-ordained opportunity to share good news with a person. 
Folks, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. Be able to help somebody know who Jesus is. And I'm just looking out here, and I see all these people. I'm thinking, what if all of us this week were devoted to prayer and asking God to give us an opportunity, an opportunity of a lifetime? I'm thinking we could have an impact here. What do you think? Are you with me? Why don't we pray and ask God to give us an opportunity? Lord God, I just want to thank you because you are so patient with us. Every time I think about this passage and I think about opportunities that you've given me, and there's been a whole lot of them that I haven't taken, and there's a whole lot of opportunities that I'm just not even aware of. And so, God, before I do anything else, I just want to say I'm sorry. And I want to ask that you would give me eyes to see and ears to hear your voice and to be aware of these opportunities. And Lord, give me a desire to pray. And I pray for each of us here this day that we would have a huge desire to be connected with you moment by moment throughout our day. And that we would ask for these opportunities of a lifetime. God, will you please give each one of us an opportunity to share your love and your message with somebody this week? And I pray this in your name. Amen.